You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Well, it's great to see you. Uh, It's been a while since uh, the last time that we were here. For those of you that um, have just recently joined the church, um, I am... Um, My wife and I have been serving the Lord since 1969. Uh, I pastored in Phoenix for, well, yeah, praise God, it's by grace, let me tell you. Um, Pastored uh, in Phoenix, Arizona for 30 years almost, from uh, 1981 to 2010. And um, your own Ron and Jean Brazil and Jenny Evans were part of our church down in Phoenix, and they got transplanted up here. So... um, I've been here about three times sharing uh, in, in the Word. But um, when we turned the church over in 2010, we joined a small group of longtime Calvary pastors. And our, our desire was to come alongside younger pastors and, and others to just encourage them, assist them in whatever way would be beneficial because we believe that when pastors are strengthened, their churches end up being stronger too. So uh, we do put together a newsletter once a quarter. I put some out on the missions table out in the entry areas so you can uh, pick it up. We've been involved in the past uh, several months since October with helping out a church, uh, Calvary Chapel in Windsor, Arizona, Windsor, Colorado. They lost their pastor and wife in a car wreck uh, back in July. And we stepped in to help the church through um, the events through the end of the year and then help them in the beginning process of in their search for a new pastor. So that process is still going on. Another appointment pastor has stepped in first part of May. And there are about um, a few candidates right now that they're vetting. So uh, just praying for that group. Uh, the church is growing. It's a great area. Just heard uh, a couple days ago that Windsor, uh, Colorado, was the fastest growing city in Colorado. Um, that whole quad city area of Greeley, Windsor, Loveland, Fort Collins, it's just everybody is, is moving there. Um, but anyway, we're here. So um, I have uh, stepped in. And we'll be here for the next uh, five Sundays. And we want to finish out uh, our section here in Philippians. Not going to finish the book, but just um, we're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Philippians. And I want you to know that uh, continue to pray for your pastor, Scott, and for his wife, Pam, and and uh, just know that the Lord hears your prayers. The Lord is doing things His way. And a lot of times we don't understand why things happen the way they do or when they do or where they do, but uh, you have to keep the focus on the fact that God is always in charge. 
And that's, that's the focus. And so as we look at Philippians this morning, um, we know that the theme of the book is, is joy. And yet Paul is in prison when he writes this. And he writes it to th these Christians in the city of Philippi, in the area of Macedonia. And it's amazing that as you read through the epistle, he's not whining or complaining about his living conditions. He's focused on them. And it just shows the work of the grace of God to keep us outside of um, being locked into our life circumstances and just be others-oriented. And when you look up in a Bible dictionary or in a commentary how other commentaries have broken down the book of Philippians, gosh, there are so many different ways to break it down. I like a simple uh, breakdown that I've, I've read, and basically that's chapter 1, Christ our purpose, chapter 2, Christ our pattern, chapter 3, Christ our prize, and chapter 4, Christ our peace. And yet there are many ways to break it down. But it just has that same theme of joy in the Lord no matter what's going on outwardly. God has called us to have peace from the storm. And the storm starts in our hearts, actually. I mean, we can look at life circumstances and we get fearful and there's a storm brewing in our heart. And Jesus' word to his disciples, peace be still, it is I, be not afraid, doesn't necessarily stop the storm outwardly, but it's designed to stop the storm on the inside. Because when the storm is going on on the inside, we can't hear clearly. There's a lot of static. It's like somebody bumping the knob on the radio. But when we receive him and his peace reigning in our heart, it's like the eye of the hurricane. And so even though life circumstances doesn't change or even gets worse, I can have and you can have peace in the Lord as a believer because that's what he brings. Be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. That's the word of the Lord to us in, in every single day. So my section uh, today is to look at verses 19 to 30 in chapter 2 of Philippians. And what we're going to see in those verses are Paul is Paul talking about two different men that have proven characters. Timothy had a proven character over time. Epi, um, Epaphroditus, because his name in the Greek sounds like Frodo, um, so it's um, Epaphroditus. And, and so, but we're going to go Epaphroditus because I've always said that. <laughs> um, Ep Epaphroditus came from Philippi with a care package to uh, supply Paul with some needed things. And his character was proven through trial and through testing. So one had a proven character over time, another had a proven character over testing. And that's just how God uses us, too. And he proves what he's built into us over time, as well as when crisis occurs, God uses us, puts us in situations so that what he has built will be proven and shown outwardly. So I'd like us to stand as we read this section of Philippians, as we read the word of God, and then we'll start with prayer. Okay, let's go ahead and stand. 
and we'll look at these verses, verses 19 to 30, chapter 2 of Philippians. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. For because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're asking that you administer to us from this section of the book of Philippians. We ask God that our, our ears would be open to hear your word to us. And Lord, there are examples in the scripture, there are examples in life that you use to encourage us to press on and endure. And we're asking also, Lord, that if there's any that do not, have not trusted Christ for their salvation, you would impress upon them even now to, to make that decision. And so, Lord, we give this morning to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take this section and divide it into three parts. Uh, the first part is just a background, and that's the timeline uh, with the writing of this particular letter. Uh, the second part is verses 19 to 24, and I call that proven over time. Character proven over time. And then verses 25 to 30, character proven through testing. And that's Epaphroditus. And so getting a little background here, which you've probably already um, gone through in your studies already, but just as a reminder, it's estimated that Paul and his team crossed over the sea into Philippi around 49 to 50 A.D., and Timothy joined them uh, right before they, they made that journey. When Paul started his second missionary journey, he came through Cilicia and then some of the churches he had established during the first missionary journey, and then he made his way um, and, and picked up Timothy along the way. Timothy um, came to the Lord during Paul's first missionary journey, and now several years later, when Paul comes through, 
the Lord directs him to uh, invite Timothy to join Paul's team. Timothy had no idea what he was getting into, but it was going to be the adventure of a lifetime for sure. And so he joins him as a younger man, and he becomes Paul's one of Paul's traveling companions, along with Paul and Silas, and then Luke joins him um, in Troas, and they make their way across uh, the sea a little bit to their first entry into, the, into Europe, and that's during the second missionary journey, and that was around 49 to 50 AD. And so now, at the writing of this letter, the timeline is around 61 to 62. So it had been around 12 years later. And we read in the book of Acts, especially in Acts 20, that they had visited Philippi two other times after that. And yet now it is, 12 years later, Paul's in prison. And so he's, he's writing here, and Timothy is there visiting. Timothy's not in prison, but Timothy is visiting in Rome and being... A, to Paul's helper as much as he can. So, basically, Timothy had been with Paul at least 12 years, if not 13. What was it like? I mean, if we could take Timothy and sit him down on a table like this and say, talk to us about what it was like being with Paul. Um, he would have so many stories. And he had no idea what he was walking into when he joined the team. Even five and six years later, after this was written, Paul wrote, write, uh, wrote a letter to Timothy, his last letter, again from prison, but this time knowing that his life was going to be cut short. Paul was a Roman citizen, so according to the Roman law, they did not crucify Roman citizens for capital crimes. They took them outside the city and beheaded them. And that's what Paul was facing when he wrote 2 Timothy. And I want to read to you what Paul wrote to Timothy there. And that was, if it was uh, maybe 18 years after Timothy first joined Paul in his journeys, 18 years of being with the Apostle Paul. Here's what he writes to him. 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 15. But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine manner of life and purpose. That's his overall life testimony. You've carefully followed that. Faith, long-suffering, and love. How Paul lived through life difficulties. Perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. How he lived dealing with life afflictions. You have carefully followed me which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let's stop a minute. The key word that you want to circle or highlight is the word godly. Because just because you, you, you put a name tag on saying, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean you live godly. Living godly means that you order your life according to the Word of God and the heart of God, by the power of the Spirit of God. 
Godliness brings problems into your life from the surrounding culture because you shine as a light against the darkness as God sees it. And your definition of truth is based upon God's word and God's character, not upon the mores of the current society. And so when you stand up and say, wait a minute, that's not true, you can be guaranteed you're going to get pushback. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's Paul's word to Timothy saying, they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. So just steal yourself and, and prepare. It's just how it is. I'd rather serve God than man. I'm here to please God, not to please man. I'm here to love men, but I'm here to please God. That's the, that's the desire of my life. And he goes on and he says in verse 13 there in 2 Timothy 3, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. You think it's bad now, Tim? It's going to get radical. Well, here we are in the Western culture and it's a slippery slope going down. But then he says, but you. Notice in verse 10 he says, but you. And then he exhorts him again in verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. Timothy, you know me more than anybody else. And there are uh, pastors and mentors that the Lord brings into our life, and we see them over a long period of time, and, and we're inspired by their legacy. And yes, there are some that have fallen, but you just can't throw all, all the rest of Christian leaders under the bus because a few have sabotaged their ministry. God puts elders and pastors and leaders into our lives to exhort us, to encourage us, to, to lead us on. Um, and that's, that's part of the reason for the body of Christ. And that's why we're to gather together um, we could just stay home, and, and even though we can, we don't want to be involved in going to church anymore because we can stay home in our pajamas and sip our hot chocolate and watch church. But the problem is, there's no accountability. Coming together as a church, coming together as families in a congregation brings in the factor of accountability. Because if you start going off the rails, you, you need a brother or sister to say, wait a minute, that's not right. You need that exhortation in your life. And that's a, that accountability that Jesus has built into his church. And there are times we can't uh, um, come uh, to church, and we understand that, and it's great. We're not saying it's wrong. But to use it as an excuse, because I don't want people to know what's really going in and on in my life, is you're missing the purpose of why Jesus put his church together the way he did. And so now, he says, you've learned these things from me and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And his mother and grandmother, we know from the first epistle to uh, Timothy, um, there's that genuine faith that's, that's in him. And actually, the second uh, Timothy chapter 1, I believe, that he talks about that. So what was it like for Timothy? 
to just be Paul's traveling companion, to be like a deacon and also ministering, helping out Paul. Um, I don't think it was easy. I think it was challenging. Now, we don't know anything about Timothy and what he endured, but Paul does share what he endured. And if you're hanging out with Paul, <laughs> the same things are going to happen. And here's what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 to 31. And I'm reading this from the, the New Living because it breaks it down a little better in my mind. Verse 22, he says to them, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him more, far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Now think about what kind of shape was Paul's body in? Because when, you're, when you endure this, your back is shredded. And you live with that the rest of your life. But they ended up being tattoos, so to speak, because every mark had a story. Just like every tattoo has a story. So when Paul, he didn't have to look at his back. I mean, he could just look through a, a reflecting glass and see what's going on. And some think his thorn in the flesh that he talks about in the next chapter from Corinthians is um, maybe his eyesight because he talks about it in Galatians, his eyes. Um, so you're hanging out with this guy and you're close quarters with this guy. And how, what a blessing for God to bring Dr. Luke around at times. You know, if, it just reminds me, of, if a guy like Tom Hanks asks you to go on vacation with him, don't go. Because you think, look at all the films he was in, there's always disasters. <laughs> you know, Cast Away and all the rest. Don't go with him, okay? Just keep to yourself. Paul goes on here in verse 26. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden on, my, uh, on me concerning all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. So you've chosen to join Paul. 
um, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. But you know God has called you to do it, and you do it out of honor and glory to the Lord. Through it all, we find Timothy enduring faithfully by Paul's side, not only as a traveling companion, but one who stepped in to care for congregations with the same heart as Paul. And um, when Paul writes to Timothy in his letters, um, we find that um, he's in charge of the church in Ephesus, and he's there until he dies, really. And he dies a martyr's death because around 90 AD, according to Christian tradition, there was some pagan festival and parade going on and Timothy couldn't stand it and he went out and tried to stop them and they grabbed him and dragged him and then beat him to death. After all that faithful service, that's how they treated him. And so when Paul said to him, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, eventually it happened. So, Timothy, he says here in verse 19, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Timothy was, his character was proven over time. And Paul says, my trust is in the Lord. I have a desire in my heart, and I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm not trusting in the Roman government to release me. I'm not trusting in the fairness of the Roman government. I'm not trusting in people to be in the right place at the right time in the bureaucracy of Rome. He says, I trust in the Lord. He says it in verse 19. He also says it in verse 24. And so even though he was in a, under house arrest, incarcerated, his trust was still in the Lord not in people, not in politics. And I've, I've said this before. Yeah, you know about politics. The word poly means many. Ticks means bloodsuckers. And so politics isn't going to give you the hope that Jesus can give you. Paul's hope was in Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Not in the circumstances. God uses life and he's always in charge even though we don't understand why and we don't have answers and some of us bang the table well, I want answers I want to know why as if we're putting God on trial God works best behind the scenes without explanation and when we take the position, I won't move until I get an explanation, we're putting him on trial. And he says, trust me with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me. I'll direct your path. Can you trust God without having the answers. That's what he's asking. Because in effect, what you're doing is you're trusting that God is good.
Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by His Holy Spirit. Even though you don't understand why these things are happening. Timothy was committed to, to Paul and he was willing to do the hard things. I like Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Why does God do this? In verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God allows life to happen. It's not that he's, it's out of control, but he allows it because he has a purpose to work in our hearts to conform us into the image of his son. And we can make it through by his strength because when we're weak, then we're strong because his grace brings us that strength. So here was Timothy, ready to make this journey. Now, if they went by ship from Rome over to Philippi, uh, notice that there was no cruise ship. It was cargo ships as a rule. And they weren't motorized cargo ships. They were wind-driven and oar-driven, a 700-mile journey by boat. And so you had to pay for it. I mean, imagine calling Federal Express and say, can I have a ride on your plane when you make the shipment across the country? I mean, you're not going to get, you know, Coke and snacks, by the way, when you, if, you, if you even get on to those kinds of things. And you strap in, and that's it, <laughs> you know. Uh, he could, they could have gone by land, but they had to go by sea part of the way. So it was expensive, it was long, and Timothy's going, I'm there because he was absolutely sold out to what God had been putting into his heart. And he loved this fellowship because he was there when they first went there in 50 AD. He, he met them there. And he says here, Paul says, I want to I know how you're doing. And so I want to send Timothy on a round trip so he can come back and just tell me how you're doing. That's commitment. I mean, there's time, there is um, money involved and all that, and yet Timothy is saying, I'm ready, I'm going. And he says in verse 20, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Here's the reality in ministry. The reality is this. Not everyone is going to have the same burden that you have for the area of ministry you serve in. Some of you are, are committed to serve in security. And that's, you just have a burden for that. You have training for that. You have a burden for it. You want to protect the congregation. You know, not everybody wants to do that. And some of you are, are serving, and, serving children, serving preschoolers. 
and, and you just have a, a desire. It's just a joy of your heart. You just, you enjoy it so much, you look forward to it. And there are others that go, nah, not so much. You know? <laughs> and, but don't be surprised about that. And don't judge others who don't have the same passion you do for your area of service. Paul found this in Rome. There were believers in Rome. There was a church in Rome at the time. But nobody wanted to be inconvenienced to have to go to this church and just see how they're doing and come back. I mean, why? That's why he says here, I don't have one person. Actually, the Greek reads like this in these verses. For not even do I have one who is like-souled, one of such a character who would genuinely and with no secondary regard of himself be concerned about the welfare of your circumstances. For one and all, without exception, are constantly seeking their own things and not the things of Jesus Christ. Ah, that's quite a statement. But you know, we do like what we like. And there's that part of us that you have to submit all that unto the Lord and say, not my will, but yours be done. But we're such a society that's so based upon comfort, convenience. It's got to be comfortable for it to be the Lord. Really, show me the scripture that, sh that shows that. Or it's got to be convenient. You know, I'm, I'm quite busy and I have a lot of responsibility and I'm not sure if I could really do that. Well, then convenience is your gate that you'll only serve the Lord through. I, I don't think that's the calling Jesus gave to those who wanted to follow him. And so we, we have to deal with, with the reality, especially in our Western culture, how me-oriented we are. You know, there is an unholy trinity called me, myself, and I. And that unholy trinity just fights against the will of God so much. It's not that we have to flagellate ourselves and beat ourselves every morning to, you know, say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dedicated Christian, look how much I deny myself. No, but in the reality of the case is in, in how we process our world, am I asking I'm only going to serve you if it's comfortable. Or I'm only going to serve you if it fits in my schedule. Wow, what? Uh, you, you've lost perspective. You've lost what Jesus paid to redeem you, and you owe your eternity to Him. How do we lose perspective? Because something gets in the way. Us. Me. My desire. And it blocks my perspective. Timothy had a proven character over time. Verse 22, you know, Philippians, his proven character. You know by experience that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. He was a true apprentice. Father-son business. Verse 23, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I will see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall come shortly. So Paul had a sense that he was at the end of his two-year uh, end up, his two-year incarceration as we read at the end of book of Acts. 
And so he had this sense that he was going to be released. But in case he was wrong, he was trusting the Lord, but he was leaving the timing to God. He's sending Timothy on this long journey just to check on the fellowship and then bring back word. And so um, we, we see this um, character proven over a long time. My wife and I have served the Lord almost 54 years. And we've had our ups and downs. We haven't had a perfect Christian walk where we never sinned against each other or against anybody else. There have been times we've been frustrated. There have been times we've said things we shouldn't have said. But part of the proven character is, what do you do when you fail? What do you do when you sin? You own it. You ask forgiveness. You, you, you humble yourself. That's part of the Christian witness. Not the perfection, but the godly character of, of what it's like to follow Christ in the midst of a present evil, adulterous generation. Now let's look at Epaphroditus here, because he's the, he's the next example, but he had character proving over testing. It was proven over testing. Verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Epaphroditus, kind of a strange name, but a common name back in those days. His name means charming. And he lived up to his name. He was a blessing to those that he encountered. And notice Paul's fourfold description of his character. First of all, he calls him brother. Now, Paul had been in the Lord a long time. We don't know how long Epaphroditus had been in the Lord. But to Paul, it was all a level playing field. He is my brother first and foremost. And that's how I see him. I don't see him through class. I don't see him through ministry distinction. I don't see him through years of how long has he been there. He's my brother, which means in the Greek, from the same womb. He's not really talking about an earthly brother. He's saying, you know, we're united in the blood of Christ. My brother. Secondly, my fellow worker. He, he brought these gifts to Paul as a, a committed person um, from that fellowship. And he's, he has a testimony under hardship of serving the Lord as a worker. And then he calls him, number three, fellow soldier because of his discipline and dedication. Even when he's sick, even unto death, he's persevering and wanting to fulfill what his fellowship are expecting him to fulfill. And then last word is messenger, which is where we also get the word apostle because he was a messenger sent as an ambassador on a commission. Paul says, you know, you bringing the gift is a spiritual authority that God has placed upon you. It's a grace he's placed upon you. And he, he it's, gosh, this fourfold description is a, a great description because his character was proven through testing. He, when it got tough, he didn't bail. He persevered. He endured. He was faithful to the calling. And so he brought that supply box 
from the church in Philippi to help Paul in his needs. And then in verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Apparently enough time had gone by when Paul was with Epaphroditus that there had been um, a, lest, a letter, communication back and forth. They had heard he was sick and de deathly sick and then they responded back. That's how Paul could say that because there had been that time, that communication time. There was no cell phones. There was no, you know, no communication like that. But that's how it came about. Verse 28, Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Verse 29, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. And I like how the Greek reads in this it says, having recklessly exposed his life in order that he might supply that which was lacking in, our serv in your service to me. We are living in the last days. It is going to become more and more difficult to live godly in Christ Jesus. And when God calls us to serve him in a particular way, there are going to be times when it's going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient. And we have to guard against complacency of soul, where all of a sudden everything has to be soft. And the Lord has called us to follow him no matter what. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. The cross was a torturous instrument of death. Follow me at the point of death and, come and follow me. And so as we've looked at this, we've seen these two men that Paul talks about in the midst of his letter. Timothy, his character proven over time, and Epaphroditus, his character being proven through testing. And God wants all of us to finish well. Over time, your testimony, God wants to use. You have to finish well today so you can finish well again. And you go day by day, and eventually, as time goes on, if the Lord tarries, you finish well in your life. You finish well. But you also have to finish when it's difficult. You have to do the right thing, even though everything in you wants to run. Proven during testing. 
And God isn't testing you because he's mad at you. He's allowing life circumstances to happen to show how he's much more strong than those circumstances. If you lose everything, you're able to rebuild your life again. If everything falls apart and your relationship falls apart, your family falls apart because of your fault or somebody else's sin, God is able to rebuild it. But you've got to keep your eyes on him and not lose perspective. It's not about you. It's about him. And he wants to rebuild your life no matter what's happened. And so as we close here, we want to take what the Lord has ministered to us this morning and just uh, take it to heart, go deeper with it, and then ask the Lord, my question is, it's not about how comfortable or how convenient. It's what do you want me to do? What have you set before me to do, Lord? Not my will, but yours be done. You have your way in my life because that's the safest place I can be. Let's stand. Our Father in heaven, we stand before you this morning and we're asking you to go deeper with us as you seek to reason with us, as you seek to help us. And Lord, there are things that you may have spoken to us about through the message. And we ask you by the Holy Spirit to go deeper and to minister to us to how, what that looks like on an everyday basis. We give you our life, God, and we're asking you to, to do whatever is necessary to have your will done in our life to your glory. And Father God, if there's any here this morning that, is, that have not trusted your Son for their salvation and forgiveness of sins, may you move on their heart even now to get that taken care of before they leave this place. And if, as we continue to pray, if this is you this morning, take the time to come up front and get that settled before it's too late. And so, God, we leave this before you for your work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.